listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and now on to the episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Skylight Books podcast. I'm your host, Mike Jeffrey. Skylight Books is an independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. It's my pleasure to be joined by Shai Watson today to discuss her book, Horror Vacui. Shai is the author of two poetry collections, Horror Vacui and Cheap Yellow. She's an MFA candidate at University of Montana, and more work can be found at Pank, Joyland, The Brumpus, New York Tyrant, and elsewhere. She's teaching a poetry class this fall online at Catapult. How are you doing today, Shai? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, Shai is going to read uh, some poems and some uh, a journal entry from her new book, and uh, then we're just going to talk about it for a little bit. So if you're ready, Shai, you can take it away. Okay. Plus or minus six degrees in Philadelphia. Woke up with a rash, decided to be gluten-free. Already annoying enough, calling my order by saying Shay. All right, I guess, I deserve this. Some guy asking Siri for a nearby payomatic, this language of which I am ignorant, never having needed it. Apparently gluten rashes occur in symmetry. Waking up sore, in my bed with the light on, drinking wine at Whole Foods, my trench coat soaked in perfume samples, a rusted quarter on the bathroom floor and how I thought it was coated in blood. Is this the life I lead? Changing my mind about various Warby Parker frames and taking selfies anyway? A woman rides by in the back of a police car looks into the window of this Whole Foods, the wrinkled man across from me, brownie crumbling down his chin. I'm wearing my gold chain, no eyeliner, sending Rowdy a video of myself as I smell his favorite incense. Grace bought me an orange and now my fingers are sticky, left arm soaked in molecule one. And yesterday I left my phone at Rice to Riches ate an entire vat of rice pudding, like a dog unleashed, but totally pathetic, talking politics with the regular who goes on vegan cruises with his mom. And my head hurts, not willing to budge for other people. Sorry, Mars, but I will only hang in Greenpoint. Interpersonal relationships sloppier every day, in control and then not again. Snakes in the river with me. Never surprised when you're holding my hand and then letting go of it. I have seen the stars at night too, 
this hungover, awaking to a damaged receipt from Lyft. Will Keenan ever wake up when I feel this fetal? I just want to be held. It's warm outside and I'm never leaving. We bombed Syria again. And it's so sad that my body depends on me, the negligent owner of everything, making Amara text Mitch for me, back door. And I won't let anybody forget about me. The list of things I don't deserve includes fresh fruit. My friends and I have all betrayed each other, a kind of poetry in that, being told we're all dispensable, but then we're not. It's Saturday and the sun is shining, and I'm in the chair, experiencing the quiet pain of not being in love. This one's called Vestige. Having 111 story views is not a dispatch from God. In the park, Blair wished to invoke orange. When I close my eyes, I see nothing, dream of everything, even when gentle waves reach up to brush the sky. At 7 p.m., people banged pots and pans. I thought it was the Super Bowl. I thought a good thing had occurred. God's gift to optimists is optimism. I stood naked in my roommate's doorway begging for weed. What I can't remember, I have traded for forgetting. Blue eyes and pink lighting hands on strong, thick throat. If I could step foot into oblivion, I would surrender my wet, open mouth. This one is called Met Poem 2. Rejected at the Met again, thinking about how if I threw my fist into a Picasso painting, something exciting would happen. There would be some kind of climax. I don't know. Realities are hard for me. I am a sad man looking at sad paintings. And of course it's raining today. The Bronx was gray. My friends looked gray. I could have gone to dinner with someone who upsets me. I could have felt like shit with fried oysters in my mouth. My back hurts and you're my friend. Sure. Crying in the bathroom at brunch but we live in a world in which David Hockney is painting. And if David Hockney is painting, there's this sense that something's great. How can I move anywhere and expect not to feel sad when what I want is to be a famous painter, as prolific as a mannequin holding a fishing pole, shower streaming down my back, I just want love. LOL, I feel you, but do you really? This house is not a house. It's a ship and it's burning and water doesn't matter anymore. I go to the pool and I swim. My family loves me. They're born again Christians. I'm wearing a one piece and it says Gucci in gold font. Ben said he can't picture me crying and he's right. I don't cry. I just want to move to LA sometimes. I read my horoscope and felt like dying. I read my horoscope and I didn't believe in anything. I'm shitty until I'm not shitty and then I'm shitty again. And this last thing is a journal entry um, from the Quarantine Diaries. April 1st, 2020. 
I want to play beer pong while listening to Wilco until I get pregnant. My feet have been dirty because of my apartment's floor. I matched on Hinge with the hottest person I've ever seen a photograph of, but he wants to do FaceTime karaoke and I'm a coward. This shit is making me Gen X. I have been fantasizing about marriage, about house parties in places like Iowa, a sweetheart who can sing bright eyes with me. Sex every hour of every day. I'm wearing scrubs from the science store on the outskirts of Chicago. They're white and I accidentally put my pin on them. A little streak winks at me from the cuffed up ankle. I think I regressed for an entire year and nine months, intellectually, artistically, in terms of taste and style. It breaks my heart that I spent so long throwing pennies into a well. Amara gave me weed and I am grateful. Sat in the sun today while my Soylent order showed up. Steven and I have been having nine hour workshop sessions with each other's fiction over FaceTime. I was addicted to online chess for 48 hours, then I had to quit. I have a backyard, but she's in disrepair. Since my ex moved out, I've been cuddling Ikea sharks. So they to the neighbor before stepping outside asked me to text him an update about the ice cream man. He wanted to know whether or not he was wearing a mask. I forgot to text him, but he wasn't. He had gloves though. They were clear, not blue. He looked just like my drug dealer. Big child support energy in the driver's seat. Thanks, Shai, that was great. Love that was Shai reading from her book, Horror Vacui. Um, and it, so like, I'm glad that you read from the diaries at the end there, because I was curious about how this book came together. Um, I read the poems in order, which I don't normally do, but um, I noticed like the last couple, like the Brooklyn Museum and like stick dropping, like had very clear COVID indicators or one was about attending like George Floyd protests and the other had uh, this line about crying onto the mask that I thought was really evocative. So I'm just sort of curious, like when you made the decision to go from just like the poems to like adding in the waking dream section and then the quarantine diaries. So I just had a lot of poems in a word document since Cheap Yellow had come out that I'd been kind of collecting. And I did the waking dreams in February, 2020 to help me process a breakup. And then the journal entries were done for Newest York. They asked me to do quarantine diaries for their website. And I realized I had enough, I mean, even just with the poems to publish a full length poetry book. And I asked my agent if we could do that. And she said, no, that I needed to wait until like after my novel comes out because like just for the timeline of things, um, my novel still hasn't sold, but if it would have, <laughs> it would have been a bad idea to come out with a poetry book around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so she said, if I wanted to have it come out, I needed to do it quick instead of like selling it somewhere. And uh, Brian Ellis had hit me up over at House of Vlad a couple times. And I finally hit him back and was like, okay, I, I do have enough to do a poetry book, but we need to publish it like immediately. Uh, and he was down for it. So I sent him the manuscript and then we, had it out in like, I don't know, like two months or something from that point. And it was just everything I had that I could throw into a book. I didn't want the stuff to get like expired or for me to hate it by the time my novel had come out. Um, 
which would have definitely happened. There's no way I'm going to like this book in three or four years. So <laughs> wanted to get it out while it was still good. Yeah, that, that's kind of what um, like uh, brought me to it. Like at Skylight, we just had it on display and I noticed like the Sam Pink art on the cover and I like yeah. noticed Pink's fiction and like it. And then just started flipping through and the Quarantine Diaries were sort of the first things I gravitated toward. And even though it's recent, like that was such a different state of living for everybody. And I felt that like, you know, you captured it. And it was just sort of interesting for me to think about like, how many books will try to reproduce this or what it would mean to like try to write about quarantine after the fact. And I think it's good that there are like documents like this that were are clearly of the moment it was happening. Yeah, I definitely have been, I don't know, dreading COVID writing <laughs> or like dreading reading COVID writing or writing it, but I don't know. I, I really liked the journal entries that I wrote and was like, well, I want people to see that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, that's like kind of what I did like about them. Like, I think I would hate a fake COVID journal, a fake quarantine diary, but these uh, you could tell were not fake. They were just of that moment. And it was kind of, I think it's good that they came out so quickly because I'm not sure I'll, I'll want to remember that state of being two years from now either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so you have been writing prose for a while because I was wondering, like, I sort of saw it as I was reading the book because you have a mention in the diaries about like writing a short story and having this moment of genius. And so I was wondering if this book was like sort of your transition from mostly focusing on poems to like working on more prose, but have you always been writing prose and poetry kind of at the same time? I only really started writing prose um, a little under three years ago when I started working on my novel manuscript, um, which was supposed to be a short story, but then I just didn't stop writing it. I, there's a little bit of prose in Cheap Yellow, my former poetry book, just kind of at the end. There's like this rushed, like Scott McClanahan-esque uh, paragraph, almost poemy memoir thing at the end about a relationship. But this, I don't know, this is definitely like the most prose I've ever had published at once, like The Waking Dreams, which I kind of consider like prose poems in a way, but um, definitely The Quarantine Diaries. But my, my focus has definitely shifted to prose in the past couple of years, like since I've been working on the novel, and I've been working on short stories and have an idea for another novel, and yeah, I've been writing less poetry, so. Is that what you're doing at University of Montana? Yeah, yeah, I'm studying fiction. Nice. Um, one of my favorite aspects of these poems was like, I think you really captured like the, like three in the morning exuberant clarity feeling. Uh, like mm -hmm. there's like one line in there about like running around town, like doing witch shit um, <laughs> that I really liked. And that feeling like uh, is not always easy to capture after the fact, I think. So I was like kind of curious if you're like one who's like sort of sneaking off to the bathroom to take notes on your phone, if that's part of what you do, or if you just like are good at channeling those sort of like altered states and like the illusion or clarity that comes from it. Mm, I think I'm definitely the kind of person to sneak off to the bathroom and put notes in my phone. If something, I never write about things that happened more than like, a week ago. Mm. Um, if something happened that gave me a lot of emotional energy, 
I usually like have that in my body and feel kind of restless until I write a poem about it or get it out of my system. Um, I never go back to like old memories because they like, it wouldn't be an option <laughs> for my body. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then like things feel stale after a while. So yeah, I'm always writing kind of in the moment or at least when an event or feeling is really fresh in my mind. Has that changed at all with you writing prose? Cause like I just by virtue of like writing in long form, it feels like that can be kind of tricky, um, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different with prose. I mean, the prose I've been writing doesn't, isn't based off my life. I mean, the novel kind of is, um, it's like, auto-fiction-y, but I've made it like more and more fiction-y with each passing draft. And that was based on a time in my life when I was 18, like a decade ago. Um, but I mean, I just haven't been writing poems as much, but actually when I do write them now, I would say it's more about, it's like only those like immediate strong feelings or events that I'm drawing from. Yeah. But only if it feels like really pressing, like I need to get this on the page. So do you, like, you have this immediacy of getting it down and then do you revise a lot or do you kind of like let it flush out and then kind of like try to move on to the next one and capture like another strong feeling? The latter. I hardly revise. That's cool. <laughs> um, it seems that you're like very comfortable and I think this sort of ties into what we were just talking about, like um, rep using the language and mechanics of like the internet and the phone in a natural way it seems like because it's not you don't i don't know stress over it so much like there's just one part unsubscribing from mailing lists which attempt to subvert the wayward inertia of this hellishly beige anthropocene i just felt like unsubscribing from mailing lists is not something i'd seen used in a poem but is something that's like so evocative of like the modern experience and so i want like do you uh, I kind of already feel like I know the answer, but do you feel like any anxiety about using like phone and email shit in your work? No, it just seems like part of the daily experience to me, like just as much as anything else. Um, I don't even notice the difference while I'm writing or think about it. It just all feels like the natural experience at this point. Yeah. Is it, so has it been interesting, I'm sorry to keep coming back to like works in progress, but like working on a novel that's about in some way like your 18 year old self, like sort of, I find it difficult to remember what technology was like sometimes 10 years ago or 15 years ago and remembering like what existed and didn't. Like sometimes it feels like I'm carrying my iPhone into memories like when they didn't exist yet. Yeah, I've had, I've had to look a couple things up like I've had to look up like when did Spotify start? Mm -hmm. um, like, were people using iTunes in 2011? But I think that I don't know. I write a lot from the year 2011 because it was my favorite year. Um, so I think at this point, I like know exactly what technology was happening in 2011, and I kind of keep it safe with what I do know. Like, I'm not really writing anything from like the year 2002 or yeah. Yeah, just mostly like what I can remember, but I'll look things up if I'm not sure because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> Why is 2011 your favorite year? 
2011 was the year that I graduated high school in rural Missouri and moved to Philadelphia. And like, I mean, the the novel part is about the summer actually between, I mean, it's at the end of high school through the summer, but um, I got kicked out and I moved in with these like older kind of like bad boys. And, you know, I did like, mushrooms for my first time and acid for my first time and like when I moved to Philly I was like running around a city at night and finally met people who I had a lot in common with you know like similar interests and it just felt like anything was possible and I also feel like the best indie albums came out in 2011 like um Kaput by Destroyer uh Youth Lagoon uh what is just like South self-titled i don't know but there was like i think that was like the hibernation one was that like yeah 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 yeah. i think gemini by wild nothing was actually 2010 but uh like the drums had an album in 2011 um yeah there's just like lots of like dream pop and indie pop that felt kind of like hopeful and whimsical at the time i just have so much nostalgia for 2011 yeah are you suspicious of your nostalgia at all? Because I'll have that feeling about that era sometimes. And I, I'm like sort of skeptical if it, it was as good as I remember it. Uh, I actually had like a really hard reality check. So I left Philadelphia in 2012 and lived in a number of cities um, like Denver, Kansas City, Boulder, Seattle, and Portland. And then I moved back to Philly in uh, 2016, I guess. Yeah, Uh, like four years later, because I had that nostalgia so strongly in my mind, I was like, I have to return to Philadelphia. Like, I have to live that year again. Like, it was the best year of my life. And I moved back to Philly, and like, all my friends were gone, pretty much. Um, I just worked at this bar and with like a bunch of coworkers who I had nothing in common with and would just get like fucked up with them all the time and was like sleeping with my manager and like puking on my bed and like living with these girls I hated. And I was just like, okay, I, you like definitely can't like step into the same river twice. Like shit keeps moving when you're not around. Like you can't go back to the past. Um, so yeah, I learned the hard way, yeah. the hard intensive way that that does not work. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's always, like, I've had this experience, too, like, there's this very, very tempting thing of, like, associating the feeling with the place when it was actually at the time in those circumstances, like, I've had that about Providence, I've felt that about New York, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, things change, it's, you don't walk back into that moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is going to be somewhat of a hard transition, but you mentioned Dunkin' Donuts twice in uh, Facing Poems. Uh, Dunkin Donuts trash all over the floor and I'm curious what your Dunkin Donuts order is as a large Dunkin fan oh okay well I get like the medium iced coffee light ice no cream no sugar and then if I'm gonna get food I'll get the like original donut with vanilla icing and sprinkles and if I'm gonna get real food I get um the egg and cheese on the croissant with no meat yeah, that, that's a good one. I, I'll go with the wake-up wrap sometimes if I just need, like, a little something in my stomach because sometimes, like, that real, like, deflated croissant, like, yeah. me out a little. What all is in the wake-up wrap? 
the wake up wrap you can get it just like the you know like hockey puck egg and cheese okay. and it's just like a little tiny tortilla and oh it's yeah two for a dollar or two dollars it's like the perfect thing it's like people talk about dunking out here and they're like the food's bad i don't get why you get it and it's just if you got somewhere to be and you're a little hungry you can get your your little snack put something in your stomach and your iced coffee and you're ready for truly any situation in the world yeah and the iced coffee is so strong i also really like mcdonald's iced coffee because i'm just like damn like they both pack a punch yeah yeah and it's like but it's like smooth drinking too i can like yeah. drink a donkey's iced coffee in like 10 seconds mm -hmm. yeah if you want it even stronger this is just become i'm like a dunkin donut chill on here right now but uh the cold brew at dunkin is good too because it, it's like not real cold brew it doesn't ruin your stomach uh -huh. but uh but it's it's even stronger Oh, I didn't even know they had an, that it was different than the iced coffee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dunkin' is always like three years behind the trends, which oh. I find endearing. Like they just got almond milk, you know? Oh. <laughs> it's really sweet. But like cold brew that's like new Dunkin' cold brew, it's like been everywhere for six years and they're just catching up. Yeah, and almond milk is on the way out because yeah. milk. And apparently almond milk takes like crazy amounts of water to produce even a cup. Uh, it's like, not green. Almond milk is canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Almond yeah. Milk is I guess Dunkin' Donuts is too. But are they? I don't know. <laughs> no. no, no. We're going on the record. Dunkin' Donuts is not canceled. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, okay. Um, one thing I want to ask you about that I noticed just doing a little prep here is um, you went to the Mars to a Vita Mia workshop with uh, Giancarlo Di Trampano. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's super sad that he passed, but that sounded like it's can you, can you describe it? Yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful experience. I think my favorite part of it was just being in a house with like eight other writers. I don't I don't actually remember how many of us there were, maybe like seven, eight. Um but just like being in the community for that long and staying up late talking to people and you know, everyone was really interesting. Um, and then like doing all the things in Italy, like uh, Giuseppe uh, Gian's husband had a lot of historical knowledge about Italy. So we would go to these places and he would just talk and talk and talk and talk and know like the dates and the names of every single, like he could describe like the paintings on any chapel or wall or like know exactly what every statue was memorializing. Um, we went to these really good restaurants. I mean, I definitely liked the community and uh, like cultural experience aspects more than the uh, workshopping part, but the workshopping part was also great. It was just like in the morning, we do like an hour of feedback about whoever's piece was going up for that day. And then like the next hour we would do kind of like a, like a, topic based craft discussion so whether it be on like the first sentence or like like different kinds of descriptions um and it, like chelsea hodson uh was also leading it with gian and they both gave really really good feedback on uh the pieces that i turned in for the workshop which was great um but yeah it was just like it was like one of those like experiences with a lot of feeling that you would want to write about you know it was just really energizing to be with those people and having those like fresh new experiences together nice
All right. Well, just before I let you go, uh, since this is a book selling podcast, I'm just curious what you've been reading and liking lately. What have I been reading and liking? Um, I just read With Teeth by Kristen Arnett, which was awesome. And I interviewed her for the Creative Independent. And I read uh, two of Nicola May Goldberg's books, Other Women and Nothing Can Hurt You. And they were both I mean, completely masterful. Like Nicola is, she like just turned 28 and she writes like she's been alive for like 120 years. Like she's (laughs) such a genius, especially other women. I really, really, really loved that book, but Nothing Can Hurt You is also great. And now I'm reading Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder and I'm going to interview her soon. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time, Shy. Today's guest was Shy Watson, and we were discussing her book, Horror Vacui. And you should sign up, sign up for her poetry workshop at catapult.co. You can order your copy of her book or any of the others mentioned on today's podcast at skylightbooks.com or swing by and pick them up at the store. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, Shy. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.